The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. I remember the moment when I was a child. I think I was in early elementary school. And I learned... For the first time, it clicked this principle of investing. That when you put something aside or you, you invest in something that um, down the road, it's a little delayed, but down the road, you'll gain the return from that investment. And I'll never forget the moment when it clicked. And it was something that my parents had intentionally did. Um, they gave my sister and I an allowance. It was a couple dollars, wasn't much, a couple dollars a week. And they'd give us this allowance. And one day, my dad pulled us both aside. He sat us both down and he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, you know, as you know, in several months over the summer, our family vacation is coming up. And so whatever you save from your allowance or whatever you save from just making a little extra money, doing odds and ends around, whatever you save, come vacation time, I will match it. And I'll, I'll give you, you know, I, I didn't appreciate, I heard that and it kind of went over my head. I didn't appreciate the gravity of a 100% return on an investment. I didn't totally appreciate that I would pretty much never see that again for the rest of my life, okay? So I didn't get that. That kind of went over my head. Several months later, um, I, I, um, my dad pulls us in. It's the Saturday before we're leaving on vacation. And he says, okay, let me see what you saved up. And I think I had saved like $9 or something, and my sister had saved $11. And he says, okay, so he hands my sister, here's your $11. And then it comes to me, hands me $9. And that's when I got it. I have $9 in this hand. And now suddenly, as if from nowhere, magically, I have another $9 in this hand. And it clicked. So fast forward a year, same situation, the, the same policy, and it's the Saturday before vacation, and dad calls us in and says, okay, um, you know, how much have you set aside? And, and, he, and Tori shows him what she'd saved, and he settles up with her, and he says, okay, Roby, how much uh, have you put aside? How much have you saved? And I said, $150. <laughs> and when he regained consciousness, okay, he said, first I have to go to the ATM, okay, Secondly, I don't know if you read the fine print. There's a cap. Did I not mention the cap? I have to change some things. Okay, here, you, there's a certain level. And so that's when I got it. Okay, when I realized that principle of investment that there's times when you hold back now because there's down the road, there's an exponential return. There's a gain you get down the road. Now, this idea of investment and return on investment is what we're going to be talking about this morning in our series called Activate, Ignite the World Changer Inside You. And so we're looking in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 18. Now as you're turning there, let me kind of get you caught up. You may be joining us for the first time uh, today. This is a great Sunday for you to be here. We'll get you caught up in the series so you know where we're going. But here's, here's what's going on. 1 Timothy, we call it a book but it's actually technically a letter, and it's written by a guy named Paul. He's a seasoned pastor, and he's writing to a young pastor, and he's, he's teaching him, he's instructing him. It's pastoral training, 1 Timothy. And in this, in this book, there's this one section that we've been digging out where Paul has said, he's been going through how 
Timothy is supposed to pastor these people. And he says in this one section, he says, there's this one particular group that I want to make sure you know what they need from you. I want you to know how, what they need from you, how you can minister to them, how you can pour into them, how you can serve this particular group. And so he starts off this section and he says, as for the rich of this age, tell them. And so he's isolating this one group. He's saying, Timothy, under your span of care, those who are the rich of this present age, here's what they need from you. So we took a step back in week one and we said, okay, who is he talking to? Who would be the equivalent of the rich of this age today? And we took a global perspective and we realized if you're hearing this message, you are easily within the extreme wealthy of the extreme wealthy on the globe today. Easily in the top uh, 3 to 4% of the globe, um, probably in the top 1 to 2% wealthiest on the globe. And so we said, okay, in terms of the rich in this age, that would be us. So all of our ears, we perk up and say, okay, he's speaking to us. This is what we need to hear. And he started to say some things about how to leverage the, the position that we're in. Now, here's the thing that I love about the Bible. It is always so unexpected because what you're expecting the Bible to say is to say something like, okay, you need to hold back how much you enjoy your stuff. Like simmer down on the enjoyment level in your life. Stop having so much fun. You need to just stop enjoying things as much. And what we learn from this passage, it's so important. God is saying, no, here's the thing. I've given you this to enjoy. He's saying, I'm just not sure you know how to enjoy it. He says, so let me teach you. I've, I've designed everything. I've designed you. Everything you have is actually a gift from me, God says. And he says, so let me teach you how to enjoy it. And so the first thing that we learned is he says, tell the rich of this world to do good and to be rich in good works. And God's saying, I've given this to you to enjoy. And it's because of this, and this is kind of the foundation of the series, this is what we believe. Every single one of us, we have this little spark somewhere inside. For some of us, it's like this, this glowing ember. For some, it might be actually like a raging fire. But inside, I believe there's a calling on every one of us, and we feel this from time to time. We have this, this urgency to use this life for something that truly matters. Like, I think inside, every one of us has this sense of calling. I don't want to waste this life. I don't want this life to just be just... Something that at the end of my life, I feel like, did I, did I just waste it? What did I use this incredible gift? As, as short as life is, how am I using this for something more significant than just myself? I want to use this life for good. I think every one of us has this spark. And so God answers that question. He says, remind those who are the wealthy in this day and age. They have been uniquely positioned to do good. Challenge them to leverage the position they're on to do good. God is saying, he's calling to us. He's saying, I'm calling you, and you know that's that desire to use your life for something that matters? He's saying, I put it there, and I'm calling you in and reminding you that you are in this privileged, unique position that unlike most of the rest of the world, because of the resources you've been given, you can angle and leverage your life to do something that really matters. So the next thing we learn, okay, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to tap into that sense of calling. But then the second thing is we learn this. Is there's this phrase in this passage where it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
And what we learned is learning this idea of contentment is actually incredible gain in our life. That so often what we think is, man, if I just got that, if I just purchased that, if I just did that, then I would be satisfied. And what God is saying is, no, no, no. You, you need to be content with what you have. Contentment is not something you chase. It's something you choose. And we talked about looking around us and realizing all the blessings we have. And God is just simply saying, look, I've given you this, all this to enjoy. Let me teach you how to enjoy it. The, one of the key things is choosing to be content and saying, this is enough. Look at how the, all the things I've been blessed with. And we realize, man, that might be the first time we've actually ever enjoyed our stuff, enjoyed the things that God has given us. And we talked about how we looked at, talked about, hey, just go around your house, look at what the things, go around the place you live, look at the things God's given you. Because as you look at the dozen or so different faucets and spigots that are bringing clean water into your house, stop for a second and maybe for the first time enjoy the fact that there are whole villages of thousands that don't have as much access to clean water as you do. And on and on and on. One of the key ways God's saying, I just want you to enjoy it. And the key is contentment, not chasing out for more. And last week, we, we looked at this verse where he says, um, remind the wealthy of this age to be generous and ready to share. And we talked about this idea that's in the Bible that we all know is just so true. It says, really is more blessed to give than receive. I mean, it really is. And not on some like high alternate level that there's some spiritual transcendent plane, it's more blessed to give than receive. Like it's just flat out more fun to give a good gift than receive a good gift. Like, it's just flat out more joy to be a generous person. We've all experienced that before, where we know deep down that it is lasting joy to be a generous person. In fact, this past week in uh, our community group, we were talking about these moments of generosity that we've all had in our lives. And one couple was sharing about how the first time they sponsored a child somewhere across the world that's in poverty. And talking about their, their kids actually picked out the child. They wanted one that had a similar birthday and how the whole family got excited about investing in this child. And their faces, you should have seen their faces, they just lit up while they are talking about this. Another couple was talking about how the first time that they had done like a local service project for a, a ministry that was working with, with the poor here in the, in the area and how they got just excited to continually gather donations for them and it's just kind of become like a compulsion for them and just so much joy on their face. Another couple talked about how they compulsively love to be generous with their church. And how every time they see like a, a victory at church or someone's life change, it just gets them more excited to invest in what God is doing at their church. And we just stopped and we said, hey, look around the circle. Like all of our faces have just brightened up talking about opportunities to be generous. And so what we, we just stopped and realized, man, it really is. God is saying, look, I'm not saying I want you to hold back your joy and your happiness. He's saying, I'm just not sure you know how. I'm trying to light it on fire. He's saying, I, I want you to know, man, there is a calling and it'll be so satisfying to leverage your life to answer that calling to do good. I want you to know how to truly, maybe for the first time, enjoy your stuff. Be content. Choose contentment. Say, I want you to get the joy of being generous and light that up inside of you. And so, you know, if, if that was it, if that's all this passage says, man, that is enough. To be like, wow, I want to pursue after God's plan for my stuff and for my finances and the resources he's blessed me with. But that's not all this passage says. God says, okay, it's all that plus more that you've got to know. Look what he says. I want you to open with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
We're going to look first in verse 18. Here's what it says. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Now look what it says, verse 19. Thus, in other words, if they do that, this is what will happen. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Do you hear what he just said? Here's what, you, here's what the, Paul is telling Timothy to tell them. He says, remind the rich of this world. He says to be generous and ready to share. And he's gone through all these different blessings, these benefits of handling our stuff God's way. And then he says, but on top of all that, not only answering this sense of calling in your life, not only the learning the joy of contentment, not only the joy and thrill of being generous, but God says all that plus this. He says, when you're generous, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You're going to be rewarded in heaven. Now, maybe you're here and say, okay, I guess that's a nice benefit. I don't really think about heaven a whole lot. I mean, I heard something about mansions at some point and streets of gold and stuff like that. So I guess if I get a little extra treasure in heaven, all right, not bad. It's just kind of, I'll just tuck that away. That's kind of the fine print of the deal. You know, every now and then I'll bring that up and remind, oh yeah, the treasure in heaven thing. Okay, hang on for a second. This is not just one little obscure fine print verse in the Bible. This is consistently promised in the Bible. This is actually frequently talked about, so frequent that we've got to take notice of what it's saying. Like, I want to hear you, I want you to hear this, um, some of the words of Jesus on this subject. Listen to this. This is Matthew 6, verse 19. Listen to what Jesus says. This is powerful. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves. That's a command. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Did you catch that? Here's what Jesus is saying. You have two options with, with your treasure, with your stuff. You can amass it here, but what do we know that happens? The moment you buy the latest and greatest, it immediately starts depreciating and six months later, something even more great comes out, even newer comes out, the new upgrade, the, the new style, the new design comes out and immediately, the moment you buy it, the moment it starts sliding down into obscurity. He says, you know, how do treasures work on earth? He says, moth and rust destroy it. He says, the moment you get something, you know that, that first time the car gets scratched? That new shirt, the first time you wear it, now there's coffee stain right here on it, Okay. Pretty much all my stuff have coffee stains on it, everything that I own. Okay, you know those moments where moth and rust, figuratively speaking, got it. The stuff on earth, it breaks, it goes out of style. A thief breaks in and steals it, or someone breaks it, or someone uh, uses it and doesn't return it in the same condition. He says, you can store up treasures on earth. He's like, let's just talk good sense. That's going to immediately depreciate and collect on a garbage pile. He says, or what I'm telling you, he doesn't just offer as an option. He says, he commands it. He says, how about think in these terms, store up treasures in heaven. Nothing can touch it. It lasts for eternity. He's saying, think, he's commanding us to think in those terms. Store up treasures in heaven. You say, well, what does that look like? I want you to hear something else that Jesus says a couple chapters later in Matthew. Here's how he puts it. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, listen to what he says, 
will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. In other words, he says this, anything you sacrifice for my kingdom, anything you sacrifice for the work of the Lord, here's Jesus' words, you'll receive back one day in heaven a hundredfold. Now let's just talk the math there, a hundredfold. Is a hundredfold a 100% return? No. All three of you who know math in here said no, okay? <laughs> Someone's like, I have no idea what a hundredfold means. Okay. No, it's not. That's a that's 100% return. A hundredfold is a hundred times. That's a 10,000% return on an investment. Jesus is saying it like this. Here's the math. Now, he's, he's saying this is hyperbole. He's making a point. Is God going to be actually down to the cent? No, of course not. But his point is you can't even imagine how much exponentially more the return is for everything you invest here in God's kingdom, what the return is in eternity. Okay, this is Jesus. This is the scripture saying you actually need to stop and think about what you're investing in your eternity. That's not just an, an added bonus one day. That's something to rearrange my thinking and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm here briefly. I'm in heaven forever if I'm following Jesus. If I put my faith in Jesus, I'm there forever. And Jesus like, you might want to think about investing there. I love the way in this book, um, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. It is a book we're kind of going through as a church through this series. And in here, he has this illustration. Honestly, this was a game changer for me. Just this one illustration was so good. He says, imagine your work sends you on an assignment to another country, another country for a couple months. It says, okay, here's what we need you to do. Um, we have an office uh, over in that other country for three months. We need you to go over there and work there. And you're like, man, I don't know. I don't want to leave my home. I don't want to leave my family. And they say, well, we'll pay you extra for the inconvenience of being away. And so you're like, wow, okay. And you go home and you talk it over with your family. And, and you say, okay, well, you know, it would be a good financial investment. It'd be hard. We'll do a lot of FaceTime, but, you know, we'll, we'll do this. We can, we can do this for three months. We can last and, and get the financial investment. So you decide to go. You go over there for three months, they put you in this little apartment, and then he asks this question. He said, how would you use your income in that period? He said, would you look around that apartment and say, you know what, I, never, I don't like the color that they, of this apartment they put me, that they put me in, so I'm going to repaint it. He said, would you look around at, at, the, at the fixtures in, in, the, in the apartment and say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to change and, and upgrade all these faucets and doorknobs and lighting fixtures. I don't really like the, the way they did this. He says, would you say, you know what, I, this, I would rather have a, a nicer dishwasher in here. I'm going to put a nicer dishwasher and refrigerator in there. He says, would you do that for three months? Of course not. You'd say, look, I, this is three months, okay? I'm, I'm invested. This is going home. You'd send it back to your home because that's what you're, you're here. Just for a short time, you want to send it back to your home. Christian, is this your home? This, you're just here on this planet for just a short time. Your home is heaven. That's where you're going to spend eternity. And Jesus is saying, you're, you're just here on assignment. You know that, right? This is temporary. This is just a temporary apartment. He's saying, send it home where you are, you are made for eternity. That's your home. When you get there, you're going to be like, this is what I was made for. You're in the presence of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus, that's your home. And Jesus is like, okay, so send it home. It's a really 
real principle that he's not wanting us to just know as the fine print. He's wanting that to get inside our souls and start changing the way we think of our stuff here and saying, I want to invest treasures in heaven. I want to invest that for the future. So I want you to look. Can you see what God has done? I mean, it's remarkable. What he says is, okay, here's why you want to handle your finances the way and your stuff and your resources the way. He says, I'm calling you. First thing is you're going to satisfy that calling in your life for good. You're going to learn contentment and maybe for the first time enjoy your stuff. You're going to get the joy of generosity, just the joy of the blessing of giving. He says, and on top of that, if that wasn't enough, I'm going to turn it into an investment opportunity, God says. Uh, Whatever you give here generously, you are going to receive more than you can imagine in heaven one day. Incredible. But that's not the end. There's more. I, I would actually be failing you as a pastor if I didn't tell you this last part, because when, when it says in here you're storing up treasures for the future, it, it's primarily talking about heaven, but that's not all the Bible talks about, about storing up treasures for the future. I, I got to read you this, this verse here. It's in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. I want, you've got to hear this. It says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Listen to what God says. And thereby Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Did you hear that? First thing you got to see in that, God refers to himself as Lord of hosts, which is pretty much the most intimidating title for God in the entire Bible because Lord of hosts means the Lord of the boss, the general of the armies of heaven. So when he introduces himself as the Lord of hosts, imagine God standing there and millions of angels standing behind him, waiting his command. And when I say angels, I don't want you to think like Valentine's Day cherubs, okay? Little chubby guys with wings. I want you to think warriors of heaven that when they appear on earth consistently in the Bible, if someone sees one, they want to pass out in fear. And so there's God and all of his warriors of heaven. He says, I am the God of hosts. And when he says this, I want you to imagine God with all his warriors standing behind him. And he says this, on this way, you can put me to the test. Now, wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to test God. Exactly. You're not supposed to test God. But God says, but I'm going to give you one exception. I want to give you one exception. And he says, and actually, I want you to test me on this. He says, I want you to to generously invest in my work on earth and I want you to see, I want you to test me and see if I will not open up heaven and show even more generosity back to you. He says, as you're pursuing to be, have a heart of generosity like mine and you say, okay, I'm going to start being generous and look, God, I've got a heart like you. He's going to be like, oh man. Let me show you what a generous heart is. And then he's going to pour even more out on you. And here's what God is saying to you today. He says, let's have a go. Test me on this. Let's see what happens. He's saying, you and me. He says, you start by being generous and see if I won't outgive you back. Listen to this. This is not just the one time. Do you know what it says in 2 Corinthians? It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. It's like a farmer sowing seed when harvest comes. If he sows sparingly, he'll reap sparingly. He says, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 
It's a principle. God's saying, it's not just rewards in heaven. He says, I will, as you are using the resources I've given you to give and to be generous with, I will give you more to be generous with. One more verse. I want you to hear how Jesus says this because it's such a powerful metaphor. He says this, give and it will be given to you. And he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. All right, you've got to see this metaphor. We've got up here, I want to just demonstrate this to you, okay? We've got up here these two glass vases, and we've got some Quaker oats here. And um, we're just going to say, for, for the purposes of our illustration, this is, this is you right here. You've got some oats there. And, and this is an, an empty vase. This is an opportunity to be generous, okay? And the idea, Jesus is pulling this illustration from like a marketplace in his time period where someone's going to buy grain. And you can say, okay, I, this, how much to fill this basket of grain? And you pay, and then they could just pour it up, pour it in, or they could pour it in, shake it up, press it down and keep pouring. Like you ever um, emptied the trash? And you're, you pull up the, the trash bag, and you're like, I could fit more in there. And you push it down. Let me show you what Jesus is saying about giving, okay? For our purpose of illustration, this is you. This is an opportunity to be generous, okay? This is someone in need. This is the work of the Lord at your church, okay? And this is the source of the oats, Quaker oats. So for our illustration, this will be God, like, man, you guys really like oatmeal here at this church. Okay, work with me, all right? This is God. This is you. This is an opportunity to be generous. Jesus is saying, to the level of generosity you are, it will be given back. So if you're this generous, then God says, okay, awesome. Let me bless you. He says, if you're generous like this, you're pouring yourself out for an opportunity. Jesus is like, okay, let me show you what that looks like. He says, poured in. He says, shaken down, pressed down. Got to make more room in there. He says, pour it in again. Okay. Shaken and pressed down, make more room. He says, then pour it in until it's overflowing onto your lap. That's the metaphor. When you think about being generous to, generous to God, giving back to God and giving to his work, that's the metaphor Jesus is using from his lips to you. He's saying when you're generous, you will never be able to outgive God, and he likes to make it a contest to show you. In fact, he's like, come on, I mean, if you dare, I'm the Lord of the hosts, but, you know, we could do this if you want. Let's see what happens. Now, why would God do that? He's not only storing up treasures in heaven, why would he bless us with more here? Is he just trying to make us materialistic? No, 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 that's not it. It's not like, okay, so this is the way to get that Bentley in the driveway I always wanted. I give to God, I open up the next morning, no Bentley yet, okay, and I gotta... That's not what this is. He's not gonna undermine what he's trying to do in your heart. It's all these things that he's wanting to do in your heart. He's saying, as you're faithful with a little, he will give you more to be faithful with. As your heart is changing and you're getting hungry to give, then he's gonna give you more to give with. As you're experiencing the joy of giving then he's going to give you more to experience, even more to give with. As he says earlier in this passage, he says, remind those who are wealthy of this world, he says, to not put their their hope on riches, which are not secure, but to be, be rich in good works. He's not wanting you just to be rich so you can have more stuff. He's wanting to, to equip you with more to be rich in good works. Now, I want you to watch what, 
what this passage has just taught us. It's incredible how we could not be convinced to handle our stuff God's way after hearing all these things. I don't know what it would take to do that because listen to what he said. He says, first of all, as you start to experience the joy of generosity, I'm going to give you more to be generous so you can experience more joy and more joy as you're continuing to be generous. I'm going to do that. He says, but not just that. As you're generous here, there's a reward. I'm going to exponentially bless you in heaven. So start thinking about investing in your true eternal home where you will spend eternity. But not just that. As you're generous, you're just going to enjoy the fun of being generous. And that's actually way superior joy than just receiving. But not just that. As you're doing that, you're going to learn actually how we're supposed to enjoy our stuff. And it's going to teach us, I can be content. Just enjoy what I have. I have enough. But not just that. All of that would be enough. He says, but I've put an itch in you. I've put this craving in you. I've put this urgency in you. I've put this calling on your life where you are hungry to do good and to wring out this life for something that matters. And he says, now look around at your life. You have been uniquely positioned to get to answer that call more than almost more than the most the vast majority of people in the world. And what we said at the beginning of this series, we talked about, man, we want to be activated. We want something to light up inside of us. We want a spark to be ignited that we say, no, I want to use this life to be a world changer. I want to change this world around. I want to leverage this life. And here's what we said. Not just looking globally. When you look historically, if you're a Christian in the United States, an American Christian, here's the statistic. We talked about this on week one. American Christians make up 11% of the global Christian population, 11% of the church. But we are blessed with 70% of the global church's resources. If you're an American Christian, you are part of the wealthiest church, the wealthiest generation of Christians, the wealthiest church in the history of man. And one day we will stand before God with all the other generations of Christians all around. And will we have used and leveraged this incredible resource for his kingdom? I don't know about you, but I know for sure what I want to hear from our Savior's lips as he looks at us that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope what this passage has ignited in you is this hunger, this craving that you can't live without Not the next upgraded, latest and greatest, newest. Not that, but what you can't live without is an opportunity to leverage your resources for God's kingdom. You just can't live without it. Now you're here and you say, okay, look, you're going to have to break this down really simply for me. You're just going to tell me, like, what does this look like? You might be here and you might say, look, I am brand new to this whole church thing, so make this, like, very simple. I want to break down as simple as I can. Okay, you say, what do I do? Okay, for starters, how do you actually give to the work of the Lord? How do I give and be a part of investing in what God is doing? Because I want to to store up treasures in heaven. I want to experience the joy of giving. I want that contentment. I want to be a part of doing something for good with my life. So how do I do it? Well, the first thing is you say, actually, how do I give? Okay, there's different ways you can. For some people, they like to give in person when they come to church. 
And so you'll find here's a, a slide. It's got a picture of, of um, the, the offering box. And so some people like to physically come in, offering envelope. They want to bring that in. It's part of their regular worship. They want to put that in the offering box somewhere on the, in the facility. They want to put that in because that's part of their worship to God because ultimately you're giving to God, not just the work of your church. And so they say, this is part of my worship, and so they want to bring it tangibly. Some people say, okay, um, I, I don't you know, deal with checks and cash as much anymore. How would I give? So some people, we've got a text-to-give option. And for some people, this is the most convenient. There's an app that if you just text WPCC to 77977, there's an app. Some people like the convenience of that app. They can go right there on the spot as part of their worship, and they can give that way. Other people, they go, you can also go online on our website and you can get there the same way. And you can go to the Give Online tab and you can give that way. Now, this is what in the Barnes household, this is what we do. And here's why I like giving this way or using the app because there's a function there that you can do that's called recurring giving. And here's what, I, what we like to do in our family. Rebecca and I come together, we're praying through our budget at the beginning of the year, and we say, God, what is it that you're calling us to give? We're going to make space because we want to continue to stretch ourselves with generosity. And we say, okay, this is how much we're giving this year. And so then we map it out weekly through the year, and I want to make it recurring because I don't want anything to get in the way of an opportunity to be generous. I don't want anything to get in the way of my, of my commitment to God for that year. So whether I get busy or distracted or I'm on vacation, I want to, to be true and faithful to that commitment to God. And so maybe you find a way, these are the practical ways that you take a step and you give. Now you say, okay, but what should I give? How should I give? And first of all, remember, I want you to hear this. Whose church is this ultimately? This is God's church. He's pretty wealthy, God is. He owns the universe. This is his church. So he's going to take care of his church financially. He's going to do that. So really, then why is he asking us to give? Do you realize all of these reasons we talked about? It's for us. We get to give. Giving is for us. It's so we can learn all of these things, the joy of giving and storing up treasures in heaven and contentment and being used as part of his plan for, for the mission. And so maybe you say, okay, what's my next step? And for some of you, maybe you say, you know what? It, it's been a long time since I've given or maybe I, I used to give and then I had a bad experience at another church and so I, I haven't given in a while. And you know what? Maybe that first step is just take that step of faith and give back to God. Maybe for others of you, you say, okay, you know, I give a little bit here or there, but I want to take that step like we talked about last week from, from carefully generous. I want to get consistently generous. I want this to be a rhythm in my life. So I'm start map out how I'm going to start consistently doing this. Others, maybe you're saying, okay, I consistently give, but I want to be even more thoughtful and, and consciously thinking through generosity. And so maybe you do what we talked about last week. You say, no, I'm going to sit down on my budget. I'm going to clear space in my budget as a family. We're going to think through prayerfully and say, we're going to devote this to you. Maybe you start saying, okay, I see in the Bible it speaks in terms of 10 percentages, a tithe. And maybe you say, that's my first milestone that I'm going to start working for is, is giving that back to the Lord. And, and you say, why, why would I do that? Because I look at all of the reasons God is saying, I'm, I'm just trying to teach you how to enjoy what I've given you. For some of you, maybe you've said, okay, I've been giving this same amount for many, many years, but you know what? And I've consistently done, I've consciously done it, and maybe God's saying, okay, but let's, let's, let's have some fun with this, God's saying, let, let's have a go. Test me. Push yourself gen with your generosity and see what I'll do in return. Can you imagine what could happen in our church 
if God lit this fire inside us for generosity? Can I give you one more practical thing to do? It's another thing that, that I, I was blessed that, that my parents did with me. My first allowance I ever got was $1 a week. My parents gave it to me in dimes, which was not convenient for them because they always had to find 10 dimes. Okay, and they would give it to me in dimes, and they taught me the first time I ever received money, they would say, here's what I want you to do. First thing, take that first dime. I want you to put that in an offering envelope, and I want you to take that to church because I want you to give back to God. And so I would go in and I'd have my offering envelope that had one single dime in it and the offering plate would go by and I'd put it there and I promise you that dime didn't affect the church budget that much, okay, that year. But, I, but what was taught to me from the very beginning is that I, as a, as a child, is I always want to be a part, I get to be a part of giving back to God. Can you imagine the seeds you will sow in your kids when you teach them this principle of generosity from the very beginning? Can you imagine how much that will bless them for years to come? as they're instinctually giving back to God, investing in the work that God is doing, can you imagine what God could do in our kids if we raised up a generation that wasn't entitled and thinking, I want more stuff, but the kids that came out of and students that came out of West Pines Community Church were kids that understood the privilege we have to be a part of, of a work of good throughout this world. I want to just close with this one quote. We... Um, Used Quaker Oats here for our, our illustration. I just want to read you a quote from the founder of Quaker Oats. It's a guy by the name of H.P. Crowell. And here's what he said. He's, he founded the whole company. He said this, For over 40 years, I have given 60 to 70% of my income to God. But I have never gotten ahead of him. He has always been ahead of me. Can I challenge you? This is, this is not between you and your church. This is you and God. God's saying, all right, let's have a go. See if I won't outgive you. See if you're being faithful to be generous for my kingdom. See if I will not equip you with even more to be generous for my kingdom. And may we as a church answer that call. And may he ignite this spark in us that becomes a raging fire to see what God can use as we leverage who, all that he's given us to change this world around us. Hey, can we just take a quiet moment just in prayer? Can everyone just bow your heads and, and close your eyes? Can we just take a quiet moment between us and God? Can you just, in the quietness of, of your seat right there, what is God pushing you to do today? What's the step he's calling you to do? And can you just surrender to that now and, and, and say, God, I... Everything you've given me is from you. It's yours, so what do you want me to do with, the, with what you've given me? And as he's putting that in your heart, can you just draw a line in the sand and just say to God, I will do it. I will respond because I see you've given me the opportunity. You're, you just want to bless me through this opportunity to be generous. Maybe for some of you, you're here and you are heard us talk today about preparing for eternity and you say, look, I, I'm not even sure that I'm going to be in heaven. You say, like, what, what do, how, how generous do I have to be to get in heaven? Like, at what point have I given enough where now I'm in heaven? And if that's the question you're asking, that's a good question. And if that's what you're asking, like, what point have I given enough to get into heaven? I want you to hear what I'm saying. You could never give enough to get into heaven. You could never be good enough to get into heaven. It's not about the level of your generosity. It's about one incredible act of generosity from God to you. 
See, because God looks down on humanity and he sees our sin, he sees the things that we've done wrong, and, and he, he's told us in Scripture, it's, it's like we owe a debt. We owe a debt that we, we have to pay, and the payment for the debt of our sin is an eternity away from God. But he loves us so much, he says, I can't stand being away from you, so I am going to pay your debt. And with exorbitant generosity, he sends the treasure of heaven, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, down to earth. And Jesus dies on the cross. He's actually paying the price for our sins. He's dying the death we should have died. And he's paying our debt. And when he rose again from the dead, it's like he's saying, okay, paid in full. I've paid for all your sin, past, present, and future. It's all paid for. And God's saying, I'm offering this as a gift. Just receive the gift of salvation. Forgiveness is free. Just receive it. And your debt is paid. And you can know for certain you have heaven waiting for you for eternity. Some of you here today just need to receive that gift. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you say, I want to make it right with God today, I want to know for sure I'm in heaven, then pray this prayer right there in your seats between you and God. Just say this. Say, just quietly in your heart, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying that price for my sins. Paying the debt that I couldn't pay. Thank you for saving me. And I know I'll spend eternity in heaven one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out our other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.